0: don't hesitate. I used it. You should go over and start using it now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card.
1: Guys, welcome back to Earn Your Leisure Podcast episode four. Uh time flies, man. Yeah. So uh yeah, we wanna first and first of all thank you guys for rocking with us and you know we appreciate your feedback. Thank you for your support. uh means a lot to us. So we're gonna jump right into it. Um, we have a few things that we're gonna talk about this episode. The first thing that we're gonna talk about is streaming, but on a different on a different level. Yeah. Um, you know, we covered streaming before, but on the musical side. Right. So now we want to we want to cover it on the content side, um, and talk about two major players in the streaming game as far as shows and movies are concerned, and that is Netflix and
0: Amazon. Yeah, and I mean we reference them so much that it's only. Right. That we take a look into the business side.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we talk about we talk about Netflix a lot because obviously it's revolutionized the way that we consume uh, television, you know.
0: Well, uh, more so original programming, right, because TV, that would be we're going to get into that, too. But Hulu would be more of a television side movies and original content would be like a Netflix thing. Right, right.
1: Yeah. So so we wanted to talk about it from a different standpoint, though, because I, I want to kind of compare um, Netflix versus Amazon on the business side. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote about this on my, on my Instagram a while back, but I wanted to go into depth about it because um, I don't think people fully understand the, the fight that's, that's going on right now. To me, it's interesting. We try to take a different approach on business and look at things from a different standpoint, not just report what's going on, but look at it from case studies or look at it from the backstories or look at it from in-house fights and stuff like that. So there's a big fight going on right now between Amazon and Netflix. And just to kind of give you a quick summary, um, Netflix, you know, was soaring. Um, Their stock was up 106% uh, midway through last year in June. And then after that, it it really started to tank. It was down 37% to end the year. So long story short, a lot of, they have a lot of different issues, Netflix, mm-hmm. but one of the main issues is that Amazon is coming in and they're putting a lot of pressure on them.
0: Yeah, well, Amazon is notorious for that. Like, they see somebody's making money up down the street and they're like, all right, we got to figure out how we end in this. And usually when we'll get into that is when they come into a space. They take over and dominate the space.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're major players for sure. So last year, Amazon spent $5 billion on their original content for their streaming service, right? Um, so what that did was that made Netflix up their spending. So they upped their spending from $8 billion to $12 billion. So the problem with that now is that Netflix now spends more money on original content than any other American television network.
0: And they've seen some benefits from it, like their shows have been well received um we know narcos and uh a couple of other things uh making up a Murderer. they've had great original content whereas amazon thus far has struggled with gaining traction on some of this stuff
1: yeah so yeah exactly so you have ozarks you have um you have uh narcos you have a lot of hit shows yeah. that are popular that are original netflix shows mm-hmm. right and like you said amazon I don't think they really have that one show. They haven't had a standout that show That they yet. hang their hat on yet. Yeah. But I think their strategy is more of the long game. So what they're doing is... So, That's why
0: you said that. As I said, they, they, it, put, they,
1: so they spent $5 billion last year, right? Yeah. So that made Netflix raise their spending from $8 billion to $12 billion just to compete. So by spending $12 billion now, now they spend more on content than any other American television network, anybody, ABC, NBC, doesn't matter, anybody. They spend the most. But the problem with that is that they're working on very thin margins, right? So, they, they make very small profit because they're heavily leveraged. So, they have a lot of debt, huge amount of debt. So, last year, their debt went up 71%. All right. So, right now, they have $8.3 billion in debt, right? So, the problem is that going forward, they can't sustain that. It's not sustainable. So, one of two things that are going to happen, they're going to keep borrowing billions of dollars and eventually they run the risk of going to bankruptcy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or- they raised subscription prices, which they actually already did.
0: Yeah. Like, they went from uh, $12 to $16, depending on your package. So if you got the 4K, it was $16. If um, with With that, you can have four people sharing your account. It's like they lose money on that too, right? So like we have – like I have an account, but there's like a few people that use it, right? And so those people that use my account – now are not paid subscribers. So that's an issue that they've been combating. But I'm just going to go back for a sec because you said something that was really interesting about Amazon. One of their models, and he, uh, Steve Bezos wrote this in his uh, 1997 like, letter. To Jeff Bales. Jeff, I'm sorry, Jeff Bales said it in the opening of his company is that they, will, they are about long-term gain. They really don't care about short-term profit or loss. And we're going to see how that plays um, a part in um, a company in a few minutes. But like, that's exactly what's happening now, right? We'll, we'll, we'll play this game with y'all, but I know that y'all can't Well, the can't
1: thing loss. about Amazon is the third biggest publicly traded company in the world. Right. So they have a lot more resources and a lot more funding yeah. to, to, like you said, play the long game, yeah. right? They don't have to win this year or even next year, even five years down yeah. the line. They can stretch it out for a long period of time. And if Netflix can't find a way to raise revenue right. at a faster pace, then
0: They're gonna be screwed, right? Because streaming is just a part of their business. Like their cloud service is forty percent of their revenue. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then the last one that um, Netflix has to to try to combat this is that they can cut content. So that would save them money, but that also compromise who they are. Mm -hmm. Right? They're known for original content. That's why they spend so much money on content. So. They have some issues, right? Um, Their debt is is a major problem for them. And um, we have to see how it plays out. But it's interesting because Amazon, actually, somebody said this to me, and it's true. If you think about it, I'm not sure why um, Jeff Bezos named the company Amazon. But if you think about it, Amazon is, the name Amazon means massive, huge, like the Amazon rainforest. Yeah. And, you know, so that's really what. The company has become, yeah, right? It, they're such a massive company that they they're willing to, to just spend massive amounts of money to take over other areas, right? Whether it's shipping, whether it's books, yeah. whether it, now it's content. So that's really what they've become. They've become just the abominable snowman. Yeah, you, uh, you can't stop them. It's
0: like the big bully in business right now.
1: Nah, they so definitely.
0: And, and one of the the companies that um often gets left out sometimes in the streaming is Hulu. Um, obviously, they don't generate as much money as Netflix. I think last year they did $8.7 billion. Um, but they have a, a very interesting story. So Hulu, for those who are not familiar, they do offer original content. And some of their original content is really good. Like The Handmaid's Tale is probably their most popular show. Um, it's won plenty of awards for um, for the acting in it. But um, they have live TV, which the other platforms don't really offer. Right? They can perform They can have. Uh, 50 channels, if you pay for their subscription, their premium subscription, I think it's like $40. But what they do is to combat Netflix, who can't put on content that just happened, so like if you wanted to watch um, Power, you have to wait for that season to be over for it to even get to Netflix. They do it the next day. Um, so they have that advantage, but one other thing that we looked at um, in studying Hulu is that when I looked at who owns it, it's split up between four companies. Right? So Disney owns 30%. uh, uh, 21st Century Fox owns 30%. You have Comcast that owns 30%, and I think Time Warner owns about 10%. So you got 100% of the company owned by four majority companies, right? The interesting thing about that is that Disney's going to have its own streaming service too. So like if Netflix thought that Amazon was the problem, they have a big problem coming their way because Disney is about to take all their content off of Netflix, right? So now they have... Or the, Mar- the Marvel. Mar- they have the Marvel catalog. They have all their Disney catalog. They have um, a Star Wars catalog. But they just uh, are about to close on a deal, I think, the top of the first – maybe sometime this this quarter to acquire 21st Century Fox. Well, the
1: interesting thing also is that now Apple's getting in the streaming game. Yeah. So Apple, um, this year, they're going to um, put aside a billion dollars to – to their, uh, new streaming service. And so so yeah. Apple's interesting because Apple, a lot of people, majority of people have iPhones, exactly. right? And the way we're consuming content now is more and more on our mobile devices and not on television. So if you, now they have a unique advantage because it's going to be free. Mm-hmm. They probably factor in the cost somewhere in the phone, but it's going to be free. Everybody's going to have it on their phone, right? Like iTunes, something like that. Right. Um, so now, like how you watch YouTube on your phone, you'll be able to watch the Apple streaming on your phone. So they'll have shows, like they just gave Kevin Durant some money for a show that he's going to put out. So they, they're they putting money into into different shows, original content, yeah. but the advantage that they have, like I said, they already have the like platform.
0: Billions of users. Yeah, they already yeah.
1: have the, the, the billions of people that already yeah. have iPhones and iPads already. So now when they put the content directly on your phone, it even makes it easier easier to consume because now you don't have to go to an app or you don't have to, you know, I mean, you have an app, but the app is already on your phone. It's not something that you even have to download. So,
0: So, I mean, those are two major competitors that are coming in this lane within the next year or so, right? Because if Disney goes through with that, I think, $71 billion purchase of 21st Century Fox of film and and TV division, now they own 60% of Hulu. Right, that that's number three in the streaming service. They they own sixty percent of that. Plus, they're gonna bring their own content. I mean, that's a goliath.
1: Yeah, and it's important too for for people that um, you know, are creators to realize that right now is a, is a is a brilliant time to get funding for yeah. your programs, right? Because it's, it's a race a for lot for shows. Content, yeah. So. You have all of these different companies that are spending massive amounts of money and they're looking for original content. Yeah. So um,
0: So like you could, even that, like some of them are catered toward kids, right? And then some are catered toward the adult population and middle aged people. So it's gonna be an arms race. But one of the interesting things that we the, the fact that we even have this conversation is that people are not doing cable service anymore. Like people have cut the cord and like these are the results of that. We can see that like these companies are existing. Because people have decided, listen, $160 a month for me to watch five to 10 channels, it's just not worth it anymore. That's right. So then HBO has their own streaming service. Showtime gets their own streaming service, right? You can subscribe just to those things now. You don't even have to go through Cablevision or Verizon now. So, like, that's a result of cord cutting, That this conversation in itself.
1: Yeah, yeah. The the landscape has changed. Like I said, we talked about music music landscape has changed but also the television TV Absolutely. landscape has changed and probably yeah. will continue to be changed. Yeah, I mean, you're not
0: a big TV guy, but like how many channels do you watch when you want watching TV? Right? Yeah,
1: I don't watch that. I mean, I watch yeah. sports, ESPN. Or... Yeah,
0: like I watch f- maybe four channels and and I pay for 700 of them. Right? Yeah. So like this is this is the way. This is going to be the way of the future obviously.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um so any more to add about that or
0: yeah, I mean, let's let's say with Amazon, because okay. right, um, something that's happening, especially in our area right now, is people are starting to realize this uh, Amazon effect. And um, what that really is is just like, like you said, like they encompass everything. So the Amazon effect really just means a complete domination or disruption of a market. And we've seen them do this, and companies have disappeared. Um, I'll give you uh, there's an example of in 2010 and you're a father, I'm a father, Um, there was a company called Diapers.com. You ever heard of them?
1: No, I know. I haven't.
0: (laughs) So Diapers.com pretty much was an online site to help uh, parents. You you order, uh, deliver pampers to your house. Um, And Amazon decided, hey, we want to get in this game. We're getting in this game. So they decided to have Amazon Mom. And their subscription was, if you join Amazon Mom, you get Amazon Prime free for three months plus discounted prices so like if you know a Prime, I'm a Prime member you get free two-day shipping um, and you're getting discounted on the on, the, on the, what you're ordering right so whatever whatever baby supplies it is, let's just say there's diapers you're getting discounted so it was maybe $40 a box now it's maybe $25 a box they did that to just combat what diapers.com was doing and they saw that they were losing money by doing it but while they were losing money diapers.com was losing money too because Two things that parents always look for, affordability and accessibility. Is it going to be affordable for me to get these Pampers? Yeah, it's $15 cheaper. And it gets delivered directly to my home in two days. I'm taking that route. So they lost money, right? But in the end, diapers.com gets shut down. Guess who buys them? Amazon. Amazon buys them out. Goodbye. Right? So, like, just completely come into a space. Take a loss, right? But then, all right, we'll buy you. Thank you. We'll take it from
1: I watch the Nature Channel sometimes, um, and one of these animals, with, it's, I think it's either a crocodile or an alligator, maybe both. But how they kill their prey is that they smother them and then they they drag them into the <laughs> Drown, water, <right? laughs> and they just keep going deeper and deeper, so you can't, so you can't breathe anymore. Right, and that's pretty much the business strategy that Amazon is doing, right? It's just yeah. Take you out further and further into the deep end.
0: <laughs> you can't breathe anymore. And
1: then eventually you're going to have to just give up.
0: Yeah, we'll take it over for a minute. But they, so they tried that again in the, the the home um home service um uh market. Like There was a company called Porch. And they were deciding, hey, people needed help doing things. If you needed plumbing, if you needed lighting, if you needed anything fixing your home, TV mountings, they were providing that service. Amazon saw that and said, you know what? We're going to provide it. Home service, right? So rather than folding like diapers.com did, ports decided the only way we're going to survive is to try to compete with them, just for the short term. So what they did was, you know what? We'll go to your competitor. So they decided, hey, we're going to go to Home Depot, we're going to go to Lowe's, and we'll partner with them, and that's how we'll keep our business going. So that's another way, like, hey, rather than just folding, short term, let's just keep afloat until they just say, you know what, you're drowning, and you have no other choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And yeah. and Amazon's in the news now in our area because most people know and if you don't, they're looking for a second headquarters and they chose two cities. And New York City was one and um Virginia. Crystal City, Virginia, which is the DC Northern, metro area. Northern Virginia, yeah. yeah. Um and it's interesting because Long Island City is the is where it's going to be. And when people think Long Island City, they probably think that is out in Long Island. And we know that it's in Queens. So this facility is going to be built in Long Island City. But the interesting thing about it is that Long Island City where the, the the site is going to uh the construction is going to take place if it goes through is one down one mile down the road from a place we know very well in hip hop music.
1: Yeah. Um probably not even. Well, no. Long Island City. All right. So Queensbridge project. Yeah, you, yeah. The biggest housing project in North America, right? Yeah. Um home of Legendary nah. rappers. Nas. Nas, Mob Deep, Molly Maul, uh Shan, Quamega.
0: <laughs> uh, Capone. Else? Capone, don't forget Capone, yes.
1: Um, and then also Ron Artest. Yes. Um, so yeah, so a lot of it's been a lot of backlash that, that will lead to further gentrification of the area, yeah. Change it, but Long Island City is already gentrified, if you know the area. Yeah. Um it's an interesting case study that we could actually have a whole different discussion about that certification yeah. and and real estate and, and things of that nature but um not to to stay on this topic for too long but that's an interesting case study within itself because you know I travel and I see um different places not just in New York but all over the world where a lot of public housing developments were put in prime real estate locations, Mm -hmm. right? And Queensbridge is actually a perfect example of that because if anybody's familiar with New York, so Queensbridge Projects is literally right on the water. um, In Queens, it it overlooks Manhattan.
0: Yeah, East River. and Right, it's
1: one of the best views that you can have. It's it's amazing. So I'm pretty sure when they were building that, they, they didn't fully think of how...
0: Long term. Yes, exactly. (laughs)
1: How valuable that real estate is, right? Right. It's one of the most valuable real estates probably in the world. Perhaps. Um, So they can't just tear down the buildings. So what they did was they just built around it. Yeah. Right? So if you go there now, you have five-star restaurants. You have Amazon moving there. You have million-dollar apartments. And you would never know that. It's the largest housing project is right in the middle of all of that yeah. because it's kind of
0: hidden almost yeah. in a sense. And that, and that that's part of the issue that a lot of people are having. They're saying, look, you're building this 1 billion square foot, almost little town a mile down the street from the largest housing projects in America. The median income is 15,000, right? And we know that when prime real estate comes in like that, what happens to the rest of the Real estate that surrounds it. It's going up. Right. But that's for the people who own. Right. The people in Queensbridge Projects, they're paying rent. Well the thing with that is that so it's is it's owned by the government. Right. right?
1: So th- it's interesting because um so in Brazil, right? And the favelas in Brazil, if anybody's not familiar with that, that's like the slums of Brazil. And the favelas were built on hills, right? So in Rio they have um like Christ the Redeemer, and they have, um, what's it, Ipanema
0: Beach? Ipanema, so you got Copacabana. Copacabana, and Ipanema. 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 Yep. So,
1: long story short, now they realize that those hills where the favelas are, are actually prime locations because it's, it's overlooking some of, once again, the most expensive real estate yeah. in the world, right? Yes. Like, it's overlooking so got, Ipanema. Got, it's, it's overlooking the, the beaches. It's overlooking yeah. Christ the Redeemer. Sugar loaf. So now you eaters. have million, a million and a half people living in slums in the hills who, at the time, they probably built it saying that we're going to keep the people in the hills away from, you know, everybody else. Yeah. But now they realize that those hills are actually valuable. Yeah. So now they're trying to move people, like, five hours away into different locations because now they want to build... Luxury apartment buildings and hotels yeah. in the hills. This so sounds,
0: this sounds like you're making a forecast for what, what could happen. Well, right?
1: that's why you know <laughs> we talk about everything the world is flat, yeah. right? So the same thing that was going on in Brazil is relevant in New York. Absolutely, what's going on in Chicago is relevant in Africa. So yeah. it's so, but it's interesting as far as like I said the um, the real estate play in that regard because um, gentrification has a lot of different. Um, complexities to it yeah. but um, you know that's something that I don't think people fully understand how valuable the, the, it's interesting because some of the most expensive real estate is where the poorest people live mm-hmm. and that was done on purpose so now they they, they realize that you know yeah.
0: they made a mistake yeah so I mean they the, the plus is that they're saying that it'll bring 25,000 jobs I think uh, it was the, the promise was fifty thousand jobs and twenty five uh, in the D.C. area, twenty five thousand come to the New York area, but the people in Queensbridge are like, that's great, but are, are we? Are it's you not them, just Queensbridge either. You I'm have, just saying they're, they're have, like, yeah. how, how do we do it? So their their thing is saying, hey, we'll provide job training and we'll offer affordable housing, but the, even affordable housing is. Subjectives, right? Because what's affordable to one may not be affordable to another family. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. not income-based housing. Yeah. It's affordable housing. Yeah. And um, like I said, New York
1: is a perfect example of that. Because not just like I said, not just Queensbridge, you have um, a lot of different pockets where it was prime location. Like look at the Lower East Side, right? For anybody that's familiar, that's the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And at, at one point in time, that was a very bad neighborhood. Yeah. Now it's changed because they realized how valuable— that real estate actually yeah. is, right? Brooklyn, that's that's thing. That's the thing with gentrification. They realize now that that, that real estate is actually valuable. <laughs> so everybody moved out. The neighborhoods got torn apart.
0: I think Ti said that, right? Well, he's like, "What? What yeah, is our role in it?"
1: Well, Ti was saying that we didn't value the community right. enough to buy property when it was. And that's what even when Jay said, "Um, you know, I could have bought a place in Dumbo." For two million, yeah, he said that same place now is worth twenty five million. Or Look how right. I'm feeling, Dumbo. So, you know, like I said, that's a, That's a conversation that we can go on and on about. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, and um, yeah, Amazon is definitely playing a part in coming in and um, changing the face of the community. We have to see whether it's going to be for the better or for the worse. Yeah, but only time will tell. Yeah,
0: we will see, man. Yeah. But
1: um, I want to go to something else. Um, the Fenty. A lot of times we talk about male entrepreneurs yeah, and, um, you know, business a lot of time is like male driven, but we are not male chauvinist. We um, appreciate (laughs) women. Love all women. We appreciate women entrepreneurs. So I wanted to talk about the cosmetic industry Mm -hmm. and I I thought what better way to talk about the cosmetic industry than to talk about, you know, two very successful entrepreneurs on their own, um, which is... Rihanna mm-hmm. and um, Kylie Jenner. So, uh, you want to just go into that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of awkward that they, when we talk about the two of them, it's usually in a verse type situation, right? Like Rihanna versus Kylie. But it really isn't. Like, there's enough space and there's, there's enough money for it. For, well, everybody for everyone to, eat, to be successful, everybody. and it's it's like we see that in our music, right? We can't have two successful females, like we have to. And that's have one the thing the too. Other.
1: Yeah, it's it's important to understand that whether it be race, like they can't be two top black entrepreneurs, or they yeah. can't be two women, or whatever. There's enough for everybody, so um, I don't really even like the. Somebody had commented um, the comparison, and I'm sure it's done in, in, in good nature. Yeah, but we just want to look at both of them, right? Yeah. Because they are both very successful, right? Absolutely. And they're, they're both two people that we can learn from.
0: Yeah, so so Rihanna's company, her, her cosmetic company Fenty Beauty, um, started in 2017, did some amazing numbers. I think within the first 40 days, they grossed a hundred million dollars as a company. Um, she had a, a line, 40 foundations of, of, uh, forty shades of foundation, which was hugely popular. Um, it celebrated diversity. Women of all colors, shapes, and creeds could use it. Um, and what's interesting about Fenty Beauty is that although it hasn't made the most, I mean, it did pretty well, but it hasn't made the most, its average customer spends $470 a year on the cosmetics. Well, the,
1: the thing, another interesting right? thing about so, Fenty is that they're not limited edition. Right, so like you know, we talked about that model. Like even if you look at um, Supreme or like Kanye, when his sneakers comes out, a lot of times in business, it's limited, right? Mm -hmm. Which leads to a higher demand, which you can drive prices. But Fenty doesn't have. That's not their business model.
0: Yeah, and and even with that, even though it's not limited, it sells out. Like if you go try to find it. Right. it, it but they it, replenish. Replenish. But the average person spends more money on their brand than any other brand. So like even with like Kim Kardashian West's line or Kylie's line, like the average um, amount of money spent per year is maybe $100 less. So that shows you that there's loyalty to this brand and people are supporting it because the product must be good.
1: And like, they've, they've done a good job with social media. So there's a company called Cherry Picks. Right. And um, what they do is they track. Online purchases based off of social media engagement. So they have actually outpaced um, Kylie Cosmetics, which is Kylie Jenner's company, yeah. um, towards the end, I think, the last quarter of last year. So that's a big milestone for them because they're fairly new. They just started. Yeah. So um, they actually outpaced them in that department. Yeah. So they've they've done a good job. I mean, of course you have Rihanna.
0: Yeah. And like people are like, oh, and obviously we know her from being a great musical artist and like a lot of people like, where's the album? Where's the new work? And she's been focused on just getting her cosmetic line off off the ground. She has the lingerie line that she did as well. She has a lot of things well it's like wrong. we're talking
1: about George Clooney when yeah. he made he made two hundred and seventy billion million off of um the tequila company.
0: Yeah, and then you ran it, you saw it. Right. Oh, that's how yeah, yeah, we hadn't seen it. That then you read.
1: Yeah, he made that off a tequila company, and like, well, why is he not acting? Why do you think he's not acting? He <laughs> yeah, made 20, yeah, so the same thing with Rihanna. I mean, I'm sure she has love for music. Yeah, but you got a chance to be a really cash out off this. It's like, okay, I,
0: music is cool, but touring is great. This
1: is this is different. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it, it, like I said, it's done extremely well. 2018, um, they reported um 573 million in sales, um. Which is interesting when you look at it because when they showed her net worth, Rihanna, I think, went from like $80 million to $210 million because of her deal with um, Fenty Beauty. Now, the interesting part about Fenty Beauty is that she doesn't own 100% of it. And that's something we've been talking about a lot, like own, own, own 100%. She owns a stake in it. The parent company is um, LVMH, which is really uh, Louis Vuitton, Moet, um, Hennessy. And they are, they're a luxury conglomerate, so like they combine, they see value in something, but will put money behind it. So they own, they're the parent company, they own majority of the stakes in it. Whereas Kylie Cosmetics, completely different story, right? Like, so when Travis is like, baby mama, Colour Forbes, like, 900 million, like, this is like, this woman has a chance to be the youngest billionaire in the history, self-made billionaire in the history of the United States, like, within the next year. I think if no, she does it before 23 she passes. No, we passes can't Mark discredit Zuckerberg.
1: we can't discredit Kylie Jenner. Yeah. We're not we're not going to do that yeah. because so um <laughs> it's been a lot of backlash. Yeah. on her like she's not a self-made because obviously she comes from a wealthy family and of course but how many wealthy children squandered their parents' gifts, right? right. So you still have to have some self-drive, some business acumen. She has a she, better
0: start, but it is still you self-made. You still have to go somewhere, yeah, right? So 2015 like she starts out with just the lip kits. Like, that was her company. She, and that was funded from, I think, like, she had a modeling deal and the TV show had just started. So, she's got money from that. So, she put like, So her she's leveraged. Money
1: she's leveraged her social media presence. She's leveraged Absolutely. her family name. And, I mean, what, are you not supposed to do that?
0: Like, right. that's what she's supposed that's, to do. I like, think she's getting paid a million for an ad. Like, we spoke about her sister um, a couple of weeks ago getting 250 for the ad. She's charging a million per ad.
1: No, she she's no, And she owns the company.
0: A hundred percent. So, they did... Eight hundred million dollars in sales. Like, so if she owes a hundred percent of the company, who's she paying? Right. The only person that gets a cut of that is her mom, who's the manager. She gets ten percent of you know all the things that she makes. So if she does a billion. Mom gets a hundred million. But like, you're twenty three with nine hundred million.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. No. no, no, it's um, it's definitely something to to marvel at. Yeah, and applaud. Um, it's not easy to run a business, especially a business that large, especially that young. Yeah. Right, because there's a lot. I mean, you give somebody, you give a 22 year old, ten million dollars, they might just go crazy. They're not worrying about turning that ten million into a billion, right? Like, you know, so so yeah, I think that both of them are success stories. But I also wanted to talk about another success story that a lot of people may not have heard of in the cosmetic industry: a woman named Pat McGrath. Have you heard of her?
0: You about to enlighten us? Right so now.
1: Pat McGrath is a, a UK citizen. She is. Um, a child of Jamaican immigrants, um, and she's a celebrity makeup artist. So the interesting thing about her is that she's been a celebrity makeup artist for, for years now. And um, she started her makeup line um, two years ago, mm-hmm. and it actually reached a billion-dollar valuation last year. So the valuation on paper is actually worth more than Kylie Jenner's company. Okay. Um, that's something that to to, to applaud as well. Because she's not a celebrity. She's not famous. She comes from humble beginnings. Shout out to the And, um, you know, she, yeah, her, her cosmetic company is now valued over a billion dollars. And like I said, not even to compare it to Kylie, but since Kylie's in the, in the news, you know, we have to use that as framework. But it's actually on paper worth more than Kylie Jenner's company. So that's something to keep in mind as well because, you know, we do talk about sports and entertainment a lot because it's kind of the theme of the show. But- we want to highlight, you know, regular, everyday entrepreneurs as well, people yeah. that don't come from, you know, sports, entertainment, celebrity backgrounds. And, you know, I think that's important as well because it encourages um, anybody to, you know, yeah. say, you know, if you if you um, follow your dreams then you can do this yeah. as well. So th- cosmetic industry, huge, huge. And it has been a huge industry for forever and um it probably will will always be a huge industry, so there's always money to be made in cosmetics and to, in beauty, and we do not have to pin ourselves against each other yeah. there's enough for everybody
0: yeah and, and and speaking on the topic of entrepreneurs that, that was like uh, one of the questions and a lot of feedback people want to know is like what does it take to be an entrepreneur how what is this what is that like and um you want to touch on that i mean you are. Yeah, an entrepreneur yourself. Yeah, yeah,
1: briefly. Um, we'll end it. We'll end it with this. So, um,
0: yeah, entrepreneurship is something
1: that is not um uh, for the faint of heart, and it's not it's not easy. A lot of times, you know, it's glamorized. We see it's becoming very trendy now. It's very popular, and it's a good thing that you know more people are encouraging to go out there and create a business. But I wanted to just talk. You know, a lot of times we have to show both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the thing about being an entrepreneur is that it's it's something that financially there's there's no guarantees right like you you have the same bills every single month but um cash flow is not the same every month you, if you don't you know if you, you don't
0: move your feet you don't eat
1: and not even that sometimes it's not even up to you know you can do everything right and still not get paid things <laughs> just fall through right yeah. so it's like you might go two three months without getting paid your rent has to still get paid your mortgage still have to get paid your kids got to still eat so that pressure is different um and it it, it can be lonely you know a lot of times people don't fully understand like if you work at a a, a workspace you know you have coworkers and things of that nature so that provides a, so, a certain level of social in, engagement and interaction yeah. but when you're an entrepreneur a lot of times you you're by yourself and you're by yourself all day trying to figure things out yeah. so you know it 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 is rewarding because um you know you do have freedom and it can be financially rewarding as well but it's just important, I think, to keep in mind, people, like you said, ask the question, like, what's the first steps? How do you get started? There really is no first steps or blueprint. You just got to go out there and figure it out, right? Yeah. I mean, of course, you want to set up your LLC, set up your company, um, do your market research, see, you know, have a mentor, have a couple of mentors. But ultimately, you're going to have to just jump out the airplane and just yeah, kind of figure it out on your own because there is no no set science to it. There's no um, roadmap or no book that you can actually read that's going to give you the real-world experience, only real-world experience is going to give that to you. So, yeah, just wanted to touch on that for a couple of minutes. But um, that is we, – we're, we're at the end. Time flies. You want to have a, a final word before we move on? Yeah, leave I,
0: I just want to say just that honesty that you just shared, man. Like, I watched you go through that process. So, like, everything you're saying is 100% honest, and you were completely transparent about it. And networking is one of the things you did. And one of the things when I was listening to you was, like, that was so important. I remember when you started, I was like, yo – I don't care what you're doing, I'm your first client. And like that's been true. And that network that we have is like important. And it's it's time for us as a community to like start sharing, right? Like I Pac said, like, I got love for my brother, but we can never go nowhere unless we share with each other. It's like time for us to start sharing resources, sharing knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Sharing experiences so that we can all grow. Um, yeah, so networking and, and sharing with each other, man.
1: All right, guys, that is episode four, spread love. Spread love, Uh, man. Spread love. That's how you want to end it. Spread love. Thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week.